when you and 300 of your BFFs decide to gleefully celebrate an actual Nazi and the entire rational world calls you out on your asinine actions, apparently the savvy political move is to say, I'm sorry, I didn't know he was a Nazi. Honest, I feel really, really bad about it. But it wasn't my fault. It's totally this other person's fault. That's basically what everyone in Parliament did yesterday, proving that they are both a bunch of two-faced hypocrites and wholly disqualified to serve ice cream to children, let alone serve as our legislators. Canada is a mess. And I got to interview Pastor Paul Dirks regarding his upcoming book, Deep Discipleship for Dark Days. These are dark days, and we must know how to both follow Jesus as individuals, families, and churches. It's also mailbag day, and we look forward to your questions and comments, good or bad, friend or foe, we'll take them all. Just remember, no matter how much Canada turns into a raging dumpster fire, just read Psalm 2 and Psalm 110, and you'll be just fine. It's September 28th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. This is Liberty Dispatch. Hey, hey, welcome back to Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. We're so thankful that you've joined us here again on the program. Just want to remind you, all our programming is brought to you in partnership by Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week. LCC exists to establish Christ's justice and righteousness and defend those who stand in Christian Week exists to provide a practical, balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. If you want to get all things LCC, go over to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com. Check out what we have going on over there. And if you, while you're there, you want to help support us, libertycoalitioncanada.com, or you can scan that helpful QR code that'll take you directly to the page. If you click on the analysis show tab box, you can help support our programming and you can get a tax refundable donation. You can leave a tax refundable donation there. And you can also leave a donation anonymously via bitcoin thanks to our friends at bull bitcoin so we would encourage you to do that it helps us continue to cover the news in a way like no other uh media outlet does in our uh nation and uh we really hope you appreciate our take on these very important issues also all our programming can be found at the fight laugh feast network that's flfnetwork.com their handy new uh app is pub tv in your google play or your apple app stores check it out it's very revamped it's beautiful you can get all our content on demand as well as many other wonderful shows over there andrew today's a mailbag question uh day where we we answer some of your questions but we want to encourage people mailbag at liberty coalition leave us some of your thoughts your your concerns your questions whatever it might be please do drop us a line at mailbag at liberty coalition we really do uh appreciate that andrew what's the mailbag question for today moving forward I'm curious to know what our audience would like us to tackle. And by that, I mean, what particular area of politics or social cultural life would you like us to 
analyze and give perspective on. So we, I mean, we say a lot about education. We say a lot about healthcare. We say a lot about business and economics. And so maybe it's something high level or maybe it's something specific in one of those categories. So something, not a particular event, but mm-hmm. something kind of in the social cultural realm, a particular topic or idea. And you're thinking, I, I'd love to get your perspective. I'd love to get a biblical world and life view lens analysis of whatever. Mm-hmm. And then just tell us what that whatever is, and we will uh, we will do our best to analyze it through the lens of God's word and try to be mm-hmm. faithful to Him. A couple announcements we want to bring to your attention uh, because they are fast approaching. In case you haven't looked at the calendar, October is That's in crazy, just a man. couple days. So just Where like did that, twenty twenty three go. It's so twenty twenty three went right into the dumpster and then yeah. was set on fire. Uh, bl- blazing atop the ashes of 2022, <laughs> 2021, and 2020. So, yep. a few events we want to bring to your attention as we have been doing. We have a couple live episodes of LCC podcasts coming up on October 23rd and 24th. So, this is just over three weeks away. The 23rd, we're going to be at Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo. And the 24th, we're going to be at Trinity Baptist Church in Burlington. The live episodes will be from 7.30 to 9.30. You can find a link to the Eventbrite page in the description. Tickets are $25 per person. You will have live in person, maybe via the electronic interwebs. <laughs> Mike will be there. Tim will be there. Matt will be there. I may or may not be there in person mm-hmm. uh, holding two babies at the same time. So. Make sure you check out the Eventbrite page and come to one of these live episodes or both if you're around. We'd really love to meet you. It's going to be good. The Spark Leadership Conference happening October 31st to November 1st. We've recently corrected a little bit of a date boo-boo on the emails. It is a Tuesday and a Wednesday. October 31st to November 1st in beautiful South Carolina. The tickets are $50 each. You can find them at sparkconferences.org. Speakers will include our own Mike Teeson, Dr. Joe Boot, Pastors Tim Stevens, and Nate Wright, James Kitchen. It will essentially provide a biblical worldview or biblical analysis of what's happening here in Canada to help inform our brothers and sisters to the South to inspire them and to equip them. If you're able to join, check that out as well, sparkconferences.org. Do you ever get concerned about your financial future? Do you worry if you'll have enough for retirement or if you'll ever be able to buy that first home? Investing can be scary, but what if it didn't have to be this way? What if you had an advisor that was a Christian just like you? Someone that you can openly talk to about your faith, your goals, and your concerns. Rocklink Investment Partners is here to help you navigate financial uncertainties. Email Rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. That's link with a C. And by the way, just to mention, if you do attend any of the live episodes, especially the one in Burlington, you may be able to meet at least one of our friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners. I'm sure that they will have some sort of table set up there. So if you're in the area, you can have all your questions answered in person. It'll be worth it. Absolutely. Now, on to 
on to the on to the on to the prophetic. Okay, so <laughs> we have a we prescient wanted, voice in this uh, we, culture wars, Andrew. We want to take you back, okay, all the way back to Tuesday evening, all the way back to two nights ago. Now, while commenting on the joke that is our Canadian Parliament uh, applauding a Nazi, we had this to say about the Speaker of the House, Anthony Rota. And what was going to happen, what we were certain was going to happen after the shameful debacle. Let's look back in time. Well, Andrew, it turns out the news came out about Hunka's past. And boy, did people run with their tails between their legs. In a post on X, Rhoda said, On September 22nd in the House of Commons, I recognized an individual in the gallery. I have subsequently become aware of more information, which causes me to regret my decisions to do so. You know what Mm -hmm. is what it comes down to? He's the uh, he's the fall guy. Yeah, right. He's the guy who's got to fall on his sword for this. Hey, we look good. (laughs) It appears it appears that we have the powers of prophecy, Matt. Uh, Or at the very least, we do a good job of reading the cultural and political tea leaves, which mm -hmm. seem to be um, quite telegraphed at this moment. So yeah, we said that (laughs) the script writing for this season of life is uh, is really on the nose. It's very it's very predictable. (laughs) Yeah, all the characters are doing the same thing they've been doing for the last few seasons. Yeah, so exactly. We said this two days ago. Guess what happened? yesterday it's with a heavy heart that i rise to inform members of my resignation as speaker of the house of commons this house is above any of us therefore i must step down as your speaker i reiterate my profound regret for my error in recognizing an individual in the house during the joint address to parliament of president Zelensky. I accept full responsibility for my actions. My resignation is effective at the end of the sitting day tomorrow, Wednesday, September 27th. So there you go. You know what? He probably didn't even write what he read. He probably didn't write that. That was probably <laughs> that might have been handed to him last week just yeah. so he could he could say it, make it seem like it was his own and do his little things. So that's Well, well notice Andrew. There it is. He says he wants to be accountable for what happened, but I don't see Anthony Rhoda resigning from the House of Commons. He just did from his role as the speaker. If he was truly an honorable man who wanted to fall on the sword, he might even do so at the political expense of his party. But no, 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 no. (laughs) No. They wouldn't go that far. Of course not. All with it. So now, so that happened, like we Mm. said. Now, not to let a good bit of political grandstanding go to waste because if there's ever an opportunity to really turn up the tension in this this theatrical production that we call Canadian politics yeah. if you really want to you know normally in theater what you do is you dim the lighting and then you kind of have the orchestra build up the music so that's not what we do here in Canadian politics in this theater in this show what we do is we see, because he's a slimy politician, uh, here is the leader of the party formerly known as a conservative party, really adding to the drama of this whole story. Let's see, let's see what happens. Liberal speaker has taken the fall. 
for this massive international shame and embarrassment. But the Prime Minister's protocol and intelligence units had the right to ask for the list of all those who would be present and recognized around a war leader from a country that is trying to defend its freedom from not only an invasion but a propaganda war. The Prime Minister did not carry out that responsibility and now our nation's reputation is in tatters. Will he stand up and apologize to Canadians, to the Jewish community, to the Ukrainian people and to the entire world for this mess that he helped create? Yeah. Speaker of the House took the fall and the Prime Minister continues to blame everyone else. A full-blown international embarrassment for our country, for our allies and for everything this nation did to defeat the Nazis. An actual Nazi invited to the House of Commons, welcomed and celebrated as a hero and a government that vetted everyone here. The PM has called Canadian citizens Nazis. Will he muster the courage and stand up on his feet today and take responsibility? You go, girl. You, you, you slay, queen. You slay, queen. Everything they said is true. Like, right? Like, the... The grandstanding, you know, this is an opportunity, obviously, to poke him in the eye. Justin Trudeau has been an absolute embarrassment. The last two months, especially, like everything, he is the anti-Midas, right? Everything he ha touches turns to crap, you know, let's be honest. It's it's really bad. It's been a bad, uh, a bad few months for Justin. And I don't blame them for like sticking the knife in because it's deserved. It's well deserved. Um, and the folly of wicked men will the, the Lord will, you know, put it back on their heads. But it would it would have a lot more weight if they weren't also party to this Nazi and standing up, giving yeah. him high five, uh, standing even, ovation. So, so Pauliev says the prime minister had mm. the uh, had the right to to vet. So did you. Yeah. What a joke. Yeah, so you, you so the leader of the opposition didn't mm. have the ability to say, oh, so we're bringing in some people from Ukraine. Maybe we should know about them. You, I mean, they have a shadow that. cabinet. Why don't they have you, somebody? Is exactly. somebody vetting the people who are coming in so, the house? There, so it, what he's doing is he's yeah. blaming Trudeau for something that he also could have done. And then Melissa Lanceman, who also was clapping like a seal, there she was at the end, getting all fired up about it. And it's just, it's so. And it's here's so here's gross. the here's it's the so problem, Andrew. We we don't live in a kind. We you you said rightfully on Twitter. You called this group of people sitting in the house the Uniparty. They have a very small array of differences that aren't really fundamentally presupposition. So I think it's important to say that because this Uniparty is united on so many things, right? COVID, there was no real pushback by anybody on COVID. They were united mm -hmm. hand in glove. All the parties were on the same side of COVID, which allowed for the Trudeau regime to be even more brazen in their tax on Canadians' freedoms. But they're also, they're hand in glove, totally united as it pertains to Ukraine and the perpetual funding of that yeah, war and everything. And yeah. that's why that's why they weren't critical, right? They let their guard down because nobody, everybody wants to celebrate Zelensky in Ukraine mm. without a critical thought in their mind. So that just opens them up. You know, they weren't worried about vetting anybody who was coming in um, and it's to their shame as well so 
I hate even that. I appreciate that what they're of, saying, but but even that lack of discernment. Obviously, yes. war and and mm-hmm. and innocent lives being lost is tragic, and obviously, yes. no one wants to see. No one, no one should want to relish the idea of war mm-hmm. and international conflict. Totally. But if we really think that the leaders of Ukraine, the Ukraine, are good, good, wonderful, noble <laughs> people who are only telling the truth, you know nothing then, about the and Ukraine. Then, and then Vladimir Putin and Russia are very, very, very bad, and they're the only ones engaged in propaganda. That that alone, right there, if that if that is Polyev's assessment of this international issue between russia and the ukraine mm-hmm. ukraine good Zelensky good ukraine honest russia bad 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 that right there disqualifies yeah. him from being prime minister because he has no idea what's actually going on and he has mm-hmm. no he should not be responsible to govern canada in international waters if that's his mm-hmm. assessment yeah. It's to- it totally no, lacks discernment. No, no wars in this fallen world play out in in that way, uh, other than obviously the spiritual battle that's playing out between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But like, we're all sinful, fallen people, and and it turns out that both nations can be filled with corrupt <laughs> bureaucrats, oligarchs who are running the show. Both both the Russians can be imperialistic and aggressive and and you know wicked and the ukrainians can also be a failed state that is rife with corruption just like basically all the former soviet states are those two things can be true at once and it seems like we're we're having stories come out over and over again about how much of the ukrainian aid isn't going just to military defense but it's going to pay for um them to rebuild their rivers and like all this stuff or a lot of the time when we send foreign aid to countries with vast histories of corruption it ends up ending up in the pockets of political leaders and their allies so it's it's just a thing that we can't it's not a black and white these are the good guys these are the bad guys like even s- the second world war Except where you in have the Canadian parliament to say they're all bad guys in there yeah, that's well, that's black yeah. and white all bad yeah guys. it's Let's, just it's just it's just absurd and and that's what i'm saying like as much as we can understand the response from the cpc they can't just they can't say they weren't responsible for their actions and lack thereof when it comes to vetting people too. That's inappropriate. They have to also wear egg on their faith. All 338 members of parliament seriously need to look themselves in the mirror and seriously need to go to their constituents and say, I messed this up. And I don't see a moment's reflection really from anybody trying to do that thing. Everybody's well, passing Hillier the buck. Randy Hillier had something interesting to say yes. on Facebook yeah. about all of this. No, absolutely. And, and that's what we want to get into uh, as well. So this is what uh, Hillier had to say. You may have heard that the Canadian Parliament is now honoring Nazis. Here is what you need to know. In the Ontario Parliament, the House leaders from all parties meet weekly to choreograph the agenda and every detail for visitors to the House prior to granting consent. All parties would slash should have known a former Nazi soldier was to be recognized or the Conservative House leader, Andrew Scheer, 
or Pierre Polyev didn't care. This is the same process that is utilized in all Westminster parliaments, and that includes obviously the House of Comment or Commons. So that's that's what we're trying to get at. Is I get I get that they want to you know dig the knife deeper in their political opponents, but they're not they shouldn't be let off the hook either. And that's why on this program, hey, we're not engaged in petty partisan political hackery, right? We're yeah, saying they're all terrible. They're all terrible. <laughs> they're and all that's bad. and that's why we need, yeah. we need another option. And even even a guy like uh Maxime Bernier, he's a he's a friend. He's come on the show. We had a great discussion. We wouldn't even give a full hearty endorsement without discernment to Max. But we can right. say there's a lot of things baked into the cake with the PPC that are obviously better than the corruptocrats that we have in parliament right now. But Andrew, let's play some of the response from our prime hypocrite and i think before we should do that again we want to play a warning for you guys we want to let you know you are going to have to hear his voice we are going to play clips with him in it so if you're prone to vomiting uh if you're if you're you're operating heavy machinery if you have any sharp objects in your hand make sure the children leave the room (laughs) yes and are you ready okay yes yeah exactly so here is how he responded the drama teacher that he is. Obviously, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker, speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake. Oh, such hushed uh, tones, Andrew, so apologetic. Uh, this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. Uh, I think particularly of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating Yom, or commemorating Yom Kippur today. Uh, I think it's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast unequivocal support (laughs) for Ukraine, as uh, we did last week with announcing uh, further measures to stand with Ukraine in uh, Russia's illegal war against it. Oh, my goodness. And, and all the so we want to stand with Ukraine and all the Ukrainian Nazis that we celebrate. Oh, no, no, not that story. Not that part. Not that part. We don't want to talk about that part. But we just want to throw all your tax dollars to Ukraine. And it's the speaker of the house's fault and Russian propaganda. And listen, listen, he's the embarrassment. Yeah, I mean, an embarrassment, dude, he's the embarrassment. Yeah, if it, I put in the email that we sent out with the episode, Canada is a joke. Our parliamentarians are the clowns. And that's what you're seeing here. Dude, if you're worried about Rus- uh, Russian misinformation, maybe don't invite the, the leader of the Ukraine to speak in parliament alongside a Nazi when the Ukraine's got some serious Nazi problems and that just so happens to be one of the propaganda talking points from Russia. You literally handed Vladimir Putin everything he needed on a silver platter to smear and malign his his political enemies i mean dude you are an absolute disgrace and if you had a scintilla of respect for the canadian citizens and you had like even a bone in your body that was going to do something right you wouldn't just let rota fall in a sword you would actually do something about it but clearly clearly he was caught off guard right i mean it wasn't like he was the first person standing clapping like a big wide mouth seal, right? Not him. Well... Yep, right by Zelensky, who's pumping his fist. Go Nazis, go! That's what they're saying. 
Unbelievable. Uh, I mean... Andrew, does this... The Prime Minister is so... So much of his job is foreign affairs and foreign relations. And... To just biff it all the time this hard. So not only does he admire China's basic dictatorship, but he also really admires the Nazis because that's where he learns how to govern. He takes his cue from the Nazis yeah. in terms of, well, we'll control everything, right? We'll mm -hmm. bring everything under our purview and we'll control the media and the healthcare. And really for the sake of the good of Canadians, we have to deal with the unclean. He, he, that, that's, so of course he would applaud the what? Nazis. That's his... That's his teacher in terms of governance. At this p point, people, why would you let these people control anything when they can't even vet who they're inviting into their house, right? That's their house. They're inviting him. They can't even vet him. And why then would you trust them with handing, handling every jot and tittle of our, our society when it comes to economics, uh, the appropriate way to raise your kids and teach your kids? I mean, these clowns are showing themselves for what they truly are. And again, I don't know. I, it's amazing how often I have to say this, Andrew. Let's just take people at their word, right? Let's be fruit inspectors. Let's look at the fruit and say, oh, it's rotten and throw it out. Like, it's not that hard, but apparently it's a lot harder than, than it seems dark, to be. It's a dark night in Canada. It's a dark, Absolutely. dark, dark day in Canada, but we, uh, we press on, we press on. I bet that you are growing more and more frustrated and concerned with the fiat money system here in Canada. I'm sure you're hoping for real options, a solution that works for you and values your liberty and security. Well, barter it is here for you. It's a modern barter economy for freedom loving Canadians to transact and exchange value without having to use fiat currency. Imagine Facebook Marketplace, Kijiji, and eBay all wrapped into one economic ecosystem. You offer your goods and services in exchange for bits credits, and you can use those bits to acquire other goods and services in the community. It's a parallel economy. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter today and click on barter it for individuals. Make sure you sign up as a VIP before the official launch and get a lifetime subscription, free premium listings, and 1,000 bits to spend in the system. That is $1,500 worth of value for $197, libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter. Well, these are dark days, and it seems as if the darkest days are still before us. And they will be faced by our children and our grandchildren. Now, one of the things that I speak of often on Liberty Dispatch is the importance of building strong churches and communities made up of strong families in order to build beautiful things and new institutions, handing off a strong church to our children who will in turn rebuild culture after the collapse of the West is full and final. Now, it's for these reasons that I wanted to interview a friend of mine who serves as a pastor in BC, and he's recently written a book on these very issues and topics. And so it is my pleasure to welcome on the dispatch, Pastor Paul Dirks. Paul's a husband, father of five, and lead pastor at New West Community Church in New Westminster, BC, where he has served for 14 years. He's been highly involved in sex and gender issues, advocating for women's sex-based rights and against child medical transition, 
appearing before the Senate on Bill C-16 and organizing public rallies. Recently, he's helped launch a classical Christian school, Compass Community Learning Centers, and a classical Christian liberal arts college, New Antioch Institute. He's the author of Is There Anything Good About Hell? and Deep Discipleship for Dark Days, a Christian manual for surviving and thriving in the rising tide of evil, ethical compromise, and totalitarianism, which is why we have Paul on today. Brother, thank you so much for joining me on The Dispatch. It's great to chat with you. Yeah, Andrew, it's great to be here with you. Thanks for having me on. So when you told me about this book initially, I was excited, and I was looking forward to the content of the book myself to read, but really for being able to promote, distribute, and get this book in the hands of other believers. I know over the last year and a half, you and I have had conversations, whether it's just the two of us or in group settings, where we've talked about the church being ready, the church preparing, the church building, the church anticipating a cultural fight and some darker days. And so I'm I'm happy to see that you've brought some of those thoughts and some of the practical things you're doing in New Westminster, which are incredible things, and you've brought that wisdom, that experience into this book. And so I want to I talk about this book, and I, I really want to engage with your thinking so that we can piggyback off a lot of the stuff we talk about on the dispatch, but again, really, so that believers are equipped for the days ahead. So I want to begin with the dedication of the book. So as I was reading it, this caught me right away because it's a good word for the entire Canadian church, and they need to hear it. So this is what you write. To my children, who may have to grow up in a world very different than the one in which I was raised, trials and tribulation are sure to come, and particularly for the godly. No matter the future, God has given you everything necessary for a life of godliness and productivity so that you may attain glory at Christ's return. Be faithful, and you will have the crown. So... Paul, the question that, that I have to kind of set the stage is, why have you decided to write this book, and why specifically at this time have you decided to write this book? Yeah, thanks, Andrew. So, I mean, I think that one of the things that many of your listeners will, will understand, uh, but so many in the wider culture and, and even amongst churches, uh, you know, Christians sitting in the pews, they don't understand necessarily what's going on around us and the rising tide of evil. They don't, they don't see necessarily the technological totalitarianism that we're living in yet, or, or some of these things that, that really threaten the faith of individuals, threaten the church as, as an institution, if they're not aware of what's going on. And, uh, and, and yeah, I'm concerned about, uh, about families. I'm concerned about my family, uh, but not in a way that, is you know doesn't uh, that causes me to be despondent, but a way that helps me to lean into the sorts of things that I need to be doing to prepare them for the days ahead, and and so really that's what this book is. It's a manual. Um, it does, there's some expose that happens in the book as far as, hey, listen, you need to see what's going on in the world around you. But the the impetus really is to equip and give a manual to believers to say, hey, listen, don't 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 be discouraged. Yes, there's evil. Yes, there's all this, um, you know, and, and Christian institutions in many cases are failing us. Uh, but don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Um, you know, Christ is on the throne. He has given us everything that we need. 
and uh, and and all the promises that we have for dominion and for um, you know for the rule of Christ in this world to bring His kingdom here, th- those are still operative. Those those don't fail, and so we need to lean into those. But we have to be serious about it, and we have to be strategic about it. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the things I liked about the book, it just came to my mind as you were speaking, is as you're examining the nature of the beast and as you're touching down in Revelation. I think you do a good job of avoiding two pitfalls, which is either it's all totally futuristic. Everything in Revelation is still they're still waiting for some trigger in the future and all of it is still to come. And then the other pitfall that says, well, you know, we're talking about simply ideological things as opposed to events in history. I think you do a good job of saying, no, we've seen this in the past. We've seen iterations of this happening over history. So it's not as if we're this is the first time we're experiencing it. And yet, as we see it in history, we find ourselves in that now. So I just think that's this is a helpful hermeneutic for helping people approach the book of Revelation and approach some of these topics. And one of, one of the things that stood out to me, it's on page 52. So you, you write this, quote, We can take comfort in the sovereign control of God Almighty over all things including over the devil and his minions upon the earth. Even as nations and kings cast away the rule of God and reject the anointed son, the one who sits in the heavens laughs at their pitiful plans because of his unassailable might and unstoppable purposes. That's Psalm 2-4. There have been many upheavals in the past in which nations have been shaken and great beastly powers have risen to test God's people. Even the mightiest historical empires were chosen by God and brought to ruin when his purposes for their empires were done. So in your estimation, with, I think, an accurate understanding of the cycles of what we see in Revelation over history, is this where Canada is now? Or is this where Canada is soon heading, where it looks similar to what we've seen in history full-on beastly states, full-on beastly empires. What's your assessment? Yeah, I think that we are heading that way. I think the trajectory is toward that. Um, we've seen a an absolute celebration of, of evil and debauchery in our culture. We've seen uh, the rejection of God's laws. Uh, we've seen um, you know, even even persecution of the church to uh, to a certain degree, and I think that that is probably going to ramp up in the future. Uh, although we we do see some, I think some some light on the horizon, and um, and so you know we don't know the future, but what we can be certain of is that the Lord is not only in control, but he is he has given to his church dominion. Um, Christ is the head of all things, as it says in the end of the book of Ephesians, but he's given this to the church. Um, and, and so we reign with him and, and we're able to, you know, walk through this darkness, even if it should completely crumble around us and we have to rebuild from a, uh, you know, from the devastations of this, uh, of this empire. Um, God, you know, God raises up Kings, he deposes them and, uh, and we can take, you know, con- you know, we take great comfort in that. Uh, I, you know, the thing I think it's important for under people to understand is that we don't have an evacuation theology. We don't think to ourselves, Hey, listen, you know, um, you know, on one hand, we're just going to wait for the Lord to return. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to be busy about doing something that's going to bear fruit in two, three generations. 
Um, but I think too, when it comes to even those who see some of this, what's going on around us, that we're not these like radical preppers who put all of our, um, you know, all of our energies into, into just preparing for that, you know, apocalypse, if you use that word, um, you know, and I'm not saying that there isn't any use in, in preparation and, and in, uh, being, being ready for what may come. But uh, but we need to have a triumphalistic view in the midst of all this as we build for uh, for whatever comes, whether the Lord grants us some some measure of victory soon or whether there there does need to be that that kind of that absolute collapse and we're building from ashes. Yeah, I've, I've called it before fallout shelter theology, which is we see the nuclear bomb. It's coming. The missiles on the way. And what we do is we get in our shelters and we hide there for 75 years and we say once all the radiation kind of dissipates, then we'll come back out and we'll deal with it at that point. We're going to hide away in our shelter where that has never been the position historically of Christians. They, I mean, COVID was a great, uh, a great exposure of this, that you had believers who said, like Martin Luther, well, if they're dying out in the streets, they need to hear the gospel. I can't just stay inside. I can't stay home and stay safe while people are eternally separated from the goodness of God. And so finding that, that balance is, is good, that we do believe that Christ has had a decisive victory over Satan, sin, and death, and will see the final victory when he returns. And one of the things that we see in the book of Revelation is that we are overcomers, yeah. that we are conquerors, even even through suffering. And this is the, yeah. this is the part that doesn't seem to, to jive well with most people. Um, in your chapter, so the chapter, I think it's chapter five, which is practice pioneering, which, by the way, is my favorite chapter. Hmm. Um, I, I love I love a very practical theology, taking truth and a worldview and putting some skin on it. So you, you write this, and so I'm going to jump down at a few, a few points in the chapter to, to kind of frame this question. You say the following. We will need new ministries to the poor, the orphan, and the widow— which will foresee opportunities for Christian love and the gospel within the devastation of a marginalizing culture. In a beast-controlled global ID future, we may also need alternatives to public institutions and services, which we currently take for granted. Then you continue. There's a great need for Christian trade schools as well. Continue. These needs To these needs ought to be added entrepreneurship in business. And then lastly, in whatever we pioneer, we must aim for excellence so that not only will these ministries, institutions, and facilities suffice for their purposes, but so that they will be sought out by the world. So, Paul, first of all, why does all of this seem so foreign and maybe unimportant to many professing Christians? They're not thinking this way. This that's the that that's the crazy kooky conspiracy theorist kind of way, you know. Maybe maybe we have our like you said evacuation theology. So why is it so foreign to Christians? And then second, how can we think about pioneering without becoming doomsday preppers and isolationists? So how do we, how do you think we walk that line, of both being aware of what's going on and what's coming, and building institutions, but not becoming people with. 57 cases of toilet paper, hmm. for example, in the basement. So why has it been un- why does it seem unimportant to Christians and churches? And how do we do this without becoming 
totally off the wall with 17,000 bottles of dish soap. Yeah, thank you. So I, I think one of the first things to say is that we, we've seen a slow erosion of, um, of the implications of the gospel in our culture. And I know that even as I look back into my past, um, the message that I, uh, I, I bought into to some degree at least was this idea that the gospel itself is the be all and end all of, you know, the Christian message and what we ought to be doing as far as the churches. But if you understand the, you know, the throw the trajectory of scripture, um, it, it becomes apparent that the gospel has implications and it has implications for all of life and, and not just our personal piety, not just our personal salvation. And, uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I go into this issue a little bit in the book. I'm, I'm not a fan of kind of a radical separation of, um, of, you know, the church, the church's role when it comes to salvation and then sort of the rest of the world. And, um, you know, I believe in natural law, natural theology, but not to, not to dichotomize, uh, the role of the church in the world. And so, I think we've bought into this idea that the church's job is to proclaim salvation and to disciple, and then anything that touches on politics, education, uh, art, literature, history, justice, the marketplace, economics, that's, you know, the only, the only thing that Christians have to do with that is the fact that we're going to send out people that are transformed to, you know, hopefully make in some vague sense, uh, an impact. And, and I don't see that in, in scripture. I don't see that in the dominion mandate, which tells us to, you know, to, to, to have everything subsumed and to control everything and subdue everything under Christ. Uh, and so I think that, we need to shift our thinking in churches. I think that that's happening currently. It's not happening fast enough, but I think there's a lot of churches and leaders that are waking up to the fact that we've bought into lies and what we see now is the implications of that in society. You know, why is it that the government can turn so greatly towards evil and the support of, say, you know, child uh, medicalization, sterilization, mutilation, and, and doesn't fear what Christians will say about it. Well, it's because we've hived off this area of, of our thinking and dichotomized it far too strongly. So I think that that's part of what's going on. Um, you know, more could be said, but I think that the vision that we need to have for the future is to build institutions, uh, organizations, churches, that will radically, radically champion the cause of Christ, that is the gospel with all of its implications. And I think that through that, we, we don't lean into a separation, but we anticipate that God will actually use that to draw people to us. And I think that I see that happening even right now, as for instance, so many atheists, unbelievers, people from other um, you know, religions see what's going on, for instance, in the school system, and they're willing to put their children in into a classical Christian school uh, because it's it's got to be light years better than the evil they see in the public schooling system. And so I, Nancy Piercy has this great um, quote, I think it's in total truth, if I'm not mistaken, where she says, listen, you churches, 
I mean, she doesn't apply it. She kind of does it in sort of her very, you know, especially winsome way. But she says uh, that churches need to understand that the more historically, the more the churches are distinct from the culture, the more they're they're likely to draw people. And it's not vice versa. So we've really, you know, if we think back even 20 years ago, maybe it's longer than that now, but with the seeker sensitive movement, that really kind of infected all of, I mean, a great swath of evangelicalism and, and sometimes not in overt ways, but more subtle ways. We, we've bought into this and it's, it, it's really affected us in some negative ways. Yeah, it's, it, it, there seems to be the, these two pitfalls. On the one side, you have the, the lifestyle evangelism, which is and, – and this, this, this is connected to the seeker-sensitive movement that I love Jesus privately. I won't beat my wife. I won't cheat on my taxes. I won't steal from work. And then naturally everyone will just say, hey, I, I want what you have. I'm going to be a Christian as well without right. actually saying anything. That's a problem. Yep. But then the other problem is the – all we have to do is just quote 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 to 5 – just unpack the gospel in its simplest form, and that's all the church does. And then there's that that ground in the middle, which is, no, we, we, we're faithful in gospel proclamation, but we forget in First Peter, the same letter that people misquote when they talk about full obedience to the state. Peter writes, let your conduct among the Gentiles be honorable, so they might bring a word against you because of your love for Christ, but they're not going to be able to say something bad about you because of the way that you live, and Peter's... Peter's reason for saying that is this will give you an audience to be able to proclaim the gospel to them. Be a hard worker, be a good husband, be faithful in the marketplace, honor Christ in the public square, and this build a good school, have a good Christian community, be a good businessman, be a good entrepreneur, and conduct yourselves in such a way that you'll gain the respect in the in the world of the pagans, and that'll be the audience where you can then say, let me share the gospel with you. And so it's a, it's both. We've got to find it's balance. And I think that's something that I get from your book, and even as you've been sharing, that that's a word that Christians need to consider, balance. It's avoiding extremes, avoiding the pitfalls, and trying to find that balance, which is difficult. It takes discipline. It takes intentionality. Mm -hmm. um, it's not easy. We have to deal with nuance. Um, so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the book and for your sharing, helping Christians think about that. Think about not swinging too far, which is the tendency, but finding that place where we wrestle with the realities and we do so faithfully. Paul, high level, what is your, your earnest hope and desire that will be accomplished through believers, churches, Pastors, homeschool moms, dads, Christian businessmen, reading the book. The, the end goal in, 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 in deep in your heart, led by and directed by the Spirit of God, you desire to see what happened, whether it's in little ways or in big ways, as a result of the Lord being gracious and using this book in the church in Canada. Yeah, so... We have we have a saying in in my family, and and I, I've got a chapter devoted to family because I think this is where things start in building a culture of this this courage we need, seeing what's going on around us, and then actively living it out uh, in a you know in this triumphalistic way. 
but we the saying that we have before we leave you know wherever signing off someone's heading off to school someone's heading off to work is is conquer the world conquer the world and and so we don't understand that by means of you know the sword uh, but we understand that by means of Christ's word, which requires courage, uh, but it also requires intentionality that our desire, my earnest desire with a book, whether it's for, you know, the mom at home raising her, her, her children, whether it's the, the father that's out entrepreneuring, whether it's the pastor trying to shepherd his flock, is that we transform the world for the sake of Christ. And, um, and that, you know, that, Christ's dominion would be over the entire earth uh, as the waters, the seas, we would see that glory. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's the goal, whether somebody has a post-millennial eschatology or somebody has an, you know, maybe an amillennial eschatology. I, I know that I've got many dispensational brothers too, that would have a similar view and, and be right, you know, linking arms with me in this, in this idea. And so, um, you know, I'm hopeful that this is the kind of book that not only will strengthen those who already see some of what's going on around us and are wondering, okay, how can I make sure that I'm doing what I need to do at this time? But I'm hoping it's also the kind of book that people that see that are able to give, give to a friend to, uh, that may not see what's going on around us and may help them to, to op- you know, help open their eyes and help them to see what the call really is, especially in these uh, in these dark days. You know what? I, I trust I trust it will have that effect. And you know, to to your credit, this this wasn't a book written hypothetically from someone who's studied church and Reformation history, <laughs> who is merely an academic. Uh, and it, it's not it's not simply because you serve as an elder. In, in a church as an under-shepherd caring for the souls of people, though that's very important, but it's because you're doing these things, right? It's because you're building schools. It's because you've been outspoken in the public square, speaking against the evils of statism, of scientism, of extreme sexual ideology. You, 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 you've been out there. You're encouraging your people to do the same. You're thinking about being wise and good stewards, and so this book is coming from the position of someone who can say with integrity, I'm doing these things, we're engaged in the building. And I think for that reason, I think that that sincerity, I trust the Lord will bless it and the Lord will use this book to equip and hopefully just wake a lot of people up and shake them out of a little bit of their cultural slumber. Yeah. Um, Paul, where can people find the book? Where can they go to either sign up for updates, pre-order a copy, and then also where can people connect with, you know, what you're writing or your social media? Give us those two bits of information for our audience. Thank you, Andrew. It's available right now from Ezra Press. And so uh, if you go to Ezra Press, uh, they have it available on pre-order as we speak. Uh, it will be available at Amazon um, in, in in hopefully not very long away, uh, certainly within the month, uh, I believe. And, um, and if anybody is in the Lower Mainland area, they can get copies from me as well. Um, I, I'm active on Twitter. I use it a, a lot for my advocacy. So it's got, it's got, you know, my, my, the Christian side of things, but it's also got a lot of the advocacy side of things. And so, um, uh, I'm, my handle is actually just at Paul Dirks. 
and then my blog and uh, as well as a lot of the research I've done, um, a lot of teaching that I've done is available at dirksfamily.ca, dirksfamily.ca. And I, I also have no problem saying that if you are in the Lower Mainland, the Vancouver, the Burnaby area, and you're looking for a good church, or if your church uh, was full of spineless cowards who are waiting in the bomb shelter for everything to get better, then I have no problem saying, Paul, Paul might not say this, but I will say this. I have no problem saying, check out New Westminster Community Church. It is a faithful body that is engaging with elders that are, are wise and understanding what's going on. And, you know, we, we've talked before on this show about the great migration that's happening, that people are looking to band together with churches and communities that are getting ready to build and fight for the days ahead. And so if you have a sword and you have a shovel and your your church is telling you, put the sword down and don't worry about the shovel, then take your sword and your shovel and your family and go somewhere where they can build you up and then deploy you to be engaged in good kingdom work. And if you're in the Vancouver, Burnaby, Lower Mainland area, check out New Westminster Community Church. Brother, this has been really good. I'm excited for the book release and I'm hopeful for hearing really, really good stories. Uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we can also connect next year through some events. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining me on The Dispatch. It's been great. Thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, the Lord bless you and all that you do. I love it. If you feel that big government and banks are too involved in your finances, Bitcoin is the solution for you. Bitcoin is the antithesis of central bank digital currencies or CBDCs. It's decentralized digital cash that puts you in full control of your money. With Bitcoin, you don't have to worry about government interference or banks censoring you in any way. As a freedom advocate, you know the importance of individual liberty and responsibility. Bitcoin is the ultimate expression of those values, enabling you to take control of your financial destiny and make transactions that align with your beliefs. So, whether you're an experienced Bitcoiner or just getting started, Bull Bitcoin is the perfect place to buy and sell Bitcoin. Don't wait any longer to take control of your money. Sign up today using our referral link, mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. And don't hesitate to contact their human support for any assistance from the get-go, mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. It's mailbag day. Yes, it is. It is indeed. <laughs> and I'm excited to get back into it. You know, um, we we did one last week and it was the first in a long time. So I know we have a, a lot of questions before us. So without further ado, let's get into them. I just want to highlight for people once again, if you do want to partake in Mailbag questions, if you want to hear your question answered on air, mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com please do drop us a line with any questions, comments, or concerns. First question, uh, Andrew, Sandra writes this. Hello, the email is in response to your recent email I received in particular, the headline, just say no to conservatives and tyrants both. My question to you is this. At the next federal election, what political party would you suggest we vote for? The NDP, Green Party, both are socialist parties, or perhaps the People's Party of Canada at present, this party ranks lower than the bloc. Please explain how the Conservative Party 
is conning us and who or what party is going to save our country from further destruction. Before you answer, no party is going to save our country from destruction. The, the issues that we face as a nation, and this is why we spend so much time talking about mediating institutions, pre-civic institutions, these problems are at heart religious, root heart problems with our nation, and the only the only thing that's going to save our nation is repentance and revival, turning to Christ, because the only options are Christ and chaos. But as it pertains to everything else, Andrew, how can you maybe give listeners like Sandra, who's asking a very valid question, some advice on where should we put our votes? How do we engage civically in a way that is going to be in, in line with our Christian convictions? So the first thing I would say is I would point you to listen to Pastor Aaron Rock's recent podcast on the Pursuit of Glory site, uh, his podcast, Leadership Now. I think it's on the One Million March for Children. And there's a point about two-thirds of the way into the podcast where he unpacks his own philosophy of voting and how he votes and why he votes and the issue between conscience and pragmatics. And so I would listen to that because I think Pastor Aaron does a great job at unpacking how we need to approach voting. And so whether or not you've listened to that, what I will say will dovetail off that as well. I think that the only way to vote really is to vote according to your conscience in a way that you can be at peace before the Lord, where you are not concerned with the results, you're merely concerned with faithfulness and obedience. The goal of voting is not to get the right people in to save our country. The goal of voting or what we should think about in voting is if believers with integrity voted according to faithfulness and biblical truth, then maybe we would see a turnaround. The simple fact that we are clearly under the judgment of God is because Christians have been compromised and have been voting in terms of pragmatics and compromise for decades. So we can't get out of this by doing the same. Maybe the reason why we have the heavy hand of God's discipline upon us is because we have voted like pagans vote. Maybe if we start voting according to our conscience and according to biblical principles, even though it won't look like a short-term win or turnaround, it will lead to long-term blessing. As the church is faithful in its voting, in its cultural engagement, it'll also begin to be faithful in home, in evangelism, and in the church. So that's the number one principle. You mm -hmm. vote according to conscience, Amen. you make a principled vote, and hopefully the Lord will bless that. So that means... Yeah. And hopefully, hopefully you'll get leaders that mirror that, right? Because so many of these leaders, yes. they're just pragmatic too, right? Like even a guy like Arnold Viersen, who, you know, um, he, he's a Christian man. Uh, you know, I've spoken to him and he has sincere Christian convictions. Even he says horribly pragmatic things like politics is just a numbers game. No, that's not true. That's not biblically the way it is. Um, pragmatically speaking, that might be... The, the way that things work now, but I think there's principle, there's a, a prophecy, right? Uh, giving a voice to people, to constituents in your area. All those things are extraordinarily important in the civic sphere outside of just getting the numbers to get elected, right? Yeah, because Arnold, Arnold was probably in there clapping for the Nazi as well. Well, that's that's the sad reality of the situation, yeah. and he was feckless when it came to Bill C4. I mean... <laughs> We we need it. We need 
we need and a pastors principled, being arrested for keeping their churches yes, open too. We need a principled approach to politics because if you want politicians to actually stand on courage of conviction and put principled stands before people, then we as citizens, the people voting for them, we have to demand that of our politicians and not let them off when they do that. And that's partly how we end up in this wicked feedback loop is because we're told, oh, it's just pragmatic. It's just all about the next election. How do we get Justin Trudeau out of here? And we're not thinking, oh, no, this is about building a country and a future for our nation that's going to be founded on justice and righteousness. And that might actually mean we have to start a new party that might have to mean we have to take a strategic retreat for the betterment of shoring up our foundation so then we can build to the future and actually give a, a true conservative voice you were going to say something that way, i want to i want to yeah, touch so the on way, the con the way the way to get trudeau out of there ideally is to repent and be faithful so that we don't get wicked leaders to go along with our wicked country yeah so re realistically how much better is the conservative party going to govern than justin trudeau like think about this for a second better people. spending maybe but again that's why i want to say when we use the words conservative it's it's true we're not it's not just hyperbolic hyper hyperbolics right we are actually uh, trying to put forward a principled stand and when we say they're not true conservatives it's because they're not and i want to explain this because conservativeism at root is a basic understanding of the necessity of intermediate cultural institutions like marriage the family the church and how they are the foundations they're the bedrock of society and we've seen over and over and over again how you can't just have a fiscal conservative because a fiscal conservative isn't a conservative because they don't recognize those basic principles that are at the core of conservatism so you can't just throw those out the cultural aspects of that the social aspects of conservatism is the actual fundamental principled aspects of conservatism if you throw that out you're not a conservative but we've seen over and over and over again that um this group of conservatives uh, the 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 blue party who's the official opposition they are not social conservatives they're not cultural conservatives they're pragmatic to to the core and they compromise all the time on principles just to try and get um, uh, people elected. And that's that's no bueno. Bad thing. So if you want, if, if you're if so if the question is, who do I vote for? Let's we'll just I'll just do this really quick. When you're talking federally, you have the liberals, the conservatives, the NDP, the Green, the PPC and the Christian Heritage Party. These are your options federally. If it's provincial, you could also include the Ontario Party and the New Blue Party if you're Ontario as well. If you're in Alberta, there's a Wild Rose Party. So federally, that's who we're talking about. So when it comes time to vote for your MPP in the election, here's what you need to consider. One, what is the platform of the party? Does the platform of the party support godless, satanic, Marxist ideology? And the person who's running... Is the person also someone who's principled, someone who believes what's true and who aligns with the party platform or mm -hmm. not? So by process of elimination, right away, 
I think you can cut out the reds, the blues, the greens, and the oranges. <laughs> yeah. So what you're left with is the PPC and the Christian Heritage Party. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say of the two, there's a dance between platform and candidate because I know that there are several wonderful believers who are running with the PPC. Mm-hmm. And if I was in there riding and they were the option, I would vote for them. Yes. I also know that the Christian Heritage Party doesn't have people running in every riding. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they remedy that. Mm-hmm. But I would say, and I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I think you can deduce it from my words, is you need to pick the person and the party platform that is most mm-hmm. God-honoring, that aligns with truth, and that is a that that is a principled vote from integrity mm-hmm. that aligns with your conscience. And you figure you figure out the rest. And remember, you are not voting unless if you live in their writings, you're not voting for Pierre Polyev, you're not voting for Justin Trudeau. You're voting only for the person, like you've said, Andrew, in your riding that is representing these people in your riding. And let's be honest, we live in a parliamentary system. Minority governments aren't the worst thing, especially in an age of stifling statism. To, to, to put shackles on our government isn't that bad of a thing. I would highly recommend that's where we go. And let's be honest, on a lot of things, there might be some overlap between the PPC and the CHP and the CPC, right? So you're you're seeing this with the communist coalition of the NDPs and the liberals, right? They're caucusing together. They're they're voting together. They're pushing bills forward together. They're propping each other up. That's kind of the way the parliamentary system is built to run. In other countries, there's like, you know, 16 different parties. Like, there's so many different parties. And what you try and do is build these coalitions uh, of people. So... I mean, yes, the PPC has 5% of the vote. I think Max will maybe be able to actually participate in debates and stuff moving forward and everything. Um, but I think as, as a, as a, as a, you have to be principled. You have to get to know your your MP in your writing, and you have to vote for the party and the platform that represents your view. And then whatever happens in Ottawa, whatever leader of the party that ends up winning happens, you're not responsible for that. You're responsible for your vote in your writing playing these political games it's not got us to where we've wanted to go right like look at where our country is guys we've we've tried to play these political games we've tried to be pragmatic and it's only made things worse so maybe it's time for a new strategy stand on principle vote according to your conscience for the person in your writing who represents those principles and then let let God do the rest. Let the chips fall where they may. Um, you're not responsible for doing for the outcomes. You're responsible for stewarding your vote um, with principles. So that's that's some some things we 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 love you to you think about. Um, Sarah, Sandra, sorry, and we we really appreciate the question. It is a it is a very important question, and you would get different answers depending on who you're asking but that's that's how we would uh, suggest that you move forward so this is from nicholas hi i am following the development of the protests and i have a suggestion okay nicholas let's hear it the children in the classrooms can be thought by the parents to resist or taught by the parents sorry it says thought um to resist the indoctrination by the teachers by teaching them to recognize the topic then to just teach them to simply have them turn their back to the teachers in the class if more children are 
taught this more and more, students will follow. This action can trigger students to be kicked out of schools, but this is the end goal after all. There should be a scripted plan to guide the parents to instruct their children to follow. So I think he's suggesting um, children turn their backs to parents when they're teaching nonsense um, as a way to show their dissent. Is that, am I reading that right, Andrew? Yeah, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. I have a suggestion for you. Pull your kids out of state-funded schools. That's it. Done. Yeah. Simple. If, if you've listened to the show for one yeah. second, you, you knew the answer. Don't play these games. Get your kids out of state-funded Marxist indoctrination centers. Next. And, and, yeah, there you go, and, Nicholas. Yeah, and, and make, make some of those hard choices, guys. Again, standing on principle, standing on courage of conviction. Why should we expect our politicians to do the things that we're not willing to do ourselves, right? Come on, guys. We get the politicians that we deserve, right? So... That's our call. Um, Carly writes this, Andrew, just wondering what sort of help you can offer about homeschooling. What level of education do you have? Have you ever talked? Do you have... No, no, no. Read, read it properly because this will matter. Sir, do have you, you have... Have, have you, you ever talked? That's what the person said. Keep continue. Okay. Okay. Have you ever talked is what it said. I should... That's sick. <laughs> Put sick in there. Do you have any idea what is actually happening in schools? It might be a good idea to spell check your tweets before encouraging others to follow you or anything educational. Ah, I see. I see. That's Carly. It might be good to spell check your emails before you face plant all yeah. over yourself. First of all. So what level of education do mm. I have? Um, I have a bachelor's of religious education. If that, mm. I mean, so, I mean, I, I don't know how much that, matters to you mm -hmm. we have successfully homeschooled our kids for a, a number of years and they're quite intelligent wonderful kids um mm -hmm. it might so so yeah, do i have an idea what's happening in schools uh yeah yeah i do they're uh they're brainwashing our children to become hypersexualized marxists so mm -hmm. and yeah Carly, that's, just... that's yeah that's the help we can offer for homeschooling is we can point just, you towards people even more intelligent than me and Matt mm -hmm. to help. And there's, there's wonderful resources out there as well. Mm -hmm. Just so you know, Carly, um, and this is, I understand maybe the pushback in the sense that, right. We all grew up in, in this milieu. We all grew up around state funded public schools. And that's kind of what we know. If you know anything about the history of education, that is a novelty. <laughs> that is not the way things ran for the longest time. And people still educated their children. Um, and that was and has always been, especially in cultures that were built on Judeo-Christian values, the purview of the home. You didn't you don't need an educational license to teach kids much really honestly and then there's ways that through you know using the talents that god has given to other people um that you can utilize resources and you just have to facilitate that let's be honest like i know a lot of people who've gone into education and some of them are they can't even manage their way out of a, a wet paper bag like they're dullards but they got a degree in education not actually a specialty in actually any field um 
but realistically, I, I mean, parents should be able to facilitate the learning of their children's and, ha you know, have enough aptitude um, to teach them the very basics, at least on all of those things. And, you know, it's a great, great way to for you to learn, for you to teach, for you to to fill, to help your children learn. Um it's not as wild as you think, Carly. Um, and you don't, <laughs> I mean, have you not seen what the product is coming out of the public schools? Like people, people, they have, we have a serious problem in Canada with people literally not being able to read and write properly as they graduate high school. So, I mean, you can't really do much worse than the, the current public system. Uh, well, thank you, everybody. That uh, brings us to the end of the, the mailbag. We do appreciate some of the spicy comments, questions, concerns. We do have other mailbag questions that we are, we'll be sure to get to in the coming weeks. So please, uh, you um, continue to send them in. We really appreciate um, all that you guys uh, are, are doing to help grow the show, to help participate. We do love the feedback. So um, if you want to help continue to see our programming, continue to help it grow, please consider prayerfully leaving a donation at libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. Uh, you can get all our content on demand, Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, flfnetwork.com, or on their helpful Pub TV app. We do really appreciate you guys tuning in. And until next time, Galatians 5.1. Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.